Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Sword and Trial. Today, Graham and I get to talk to a friend who is a cross-cultural worker for advancing the gospel in Southeast Asia. Uh, Dr. Edie Burns has written three books for Founders Ministries, and his most recent one, Seeds and Stars, tells about the vital connection between genuine spirituality and gospel service, and what it means to be justified by grace through faith, and how that kindness of God and granting us Christ enables us to live lives that pursue holiness. And that's important not just for missionaries, that's important for every Christian. Uh, Dr. Burns has recently, through some difficult providences, found himself with much of his financial support month to month being cut. And again, it's through no fault of his own, it's just God's providence and rearranging some institutions. And if you'd like to know more about him or become a supporter, which I would encourage, then you can check out the links that are at the bottom of this episode and get connected to him or contact me directly. I'll be happy to tell you more. So thanks for joining us today. Welcome to the Sword and Trial. The Sword and Trial is a podcast of Founders Ministries, and Founders exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of local churches. I'm Tom Askell. And I'm Graham Gundon. We're delighted to have you join us today, and especially because we've got our good friend E.D. Burns uh, coming to us all the way from Alaska, and Dr. Burns is a uh, worker advancing the gospel over in uh, South Asia, has been involved in uh, various types of evangelistic and church planting efforts there, and he's written a book for founders that we want to commend to you called Seeds and Stars. It's over there by uh, you, Graham. Why don't you hold that up so folks can get a better look at it? I think this is the fourth title that you have written for us. Is that right? Uh, the third. third third title. This is the most recent mm-hmm. one, yeah, That's that, right. that uh, we have available, and it's a, a wonderful book that we just want to talk uh, to Dr. Burns about. So, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. It's it's really good to be back with you guys. Yeah. So, tell us first of all, how's your work going? How are things uh, in the field where you spend most of your time seeking to uh, make disciples and plant churches? Yeah, so most of my work is in Southeast Asia. Um, I live in uh, northern Thailand and work with adjacent countries all around there with hill tribes. And I would say that my work in the last um, last couple of years, right right before COVID, was just becoming as fruitful as I've ever seen it. And then COVID came, shut things down, and we weren't able to get back to Thailand until last year. And through numerous ups and downs to say the least and hardships um i I would say since january this year the lord has been very gracious to give me immense favor in many of the hill tribes with training pastors and working with small church plants and church revitalization efforts um i i can't attribute it to anything else other than the lord's kind providence in opening up so many opportunities for the gospel to run in triumph in these mm-hmm. villages that um, otherwise have no missionaries and no gospel laborers. So um, it's it's a privilege and it's an honor to be able to serve God there. Amen. Amen. Well, tell us about the genesis of this book. Um, how did this book first begin to frame itself in your heart and mind? Yeah, so I uh, I did my PhD work in um, biblical spirituality and in Christian missions at Southern Seminary. And this book is really the fusion of those two academic and spiritual passions of mine. Um, 
I had originally written my first book on the spirituality of Adoniram Judson. And I remember when I wrote that, I felt so discipled by Judson. Uh, I thought down the road, I would want to put in a book form, something that brings together um, what I believe to be core truths to encourage and sustain um, great commission servants, as I call them in, in the book. Um, and I didn't write it primarily for missionaries, but I did without apology, wrote it from a perspective of a missionary because that's, you know, that's my context. But I, I really wanted to encourage people who are active and busy in great commission service to rest in Christ and um, not serve in a way that is exhausting or serve in a way as though the promises of God are contingent upon how faithful and obedient we are. Um, because I, I started to see, I've been in missions almost 20 years. Um, I started to see that so many of my coworkers and so much of myself, to be honest, um, operated in a way that <coughs> we act like God's promises are potentials and not promises based upon contracts and not sovereign covenants. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so it, a lot of times there's anxiety in ministry, um, thinking that if I don't do this well enough, if I don't pray hard enough, if I don't really, really have enough faith, then these promises won't come to pass. But if I do, maybe I can speed along the promises. And there's there's this transactional relationship with God's promises that I want to do right for people who, with big hearts, um, are just tired of just um, their own self-made yokes that they put on themselves. So it was it was out of um really out of compassion for others and wanting to flesh out things i've learned and applied to myself and you know people around me to help stay the course to the to the end mm. you know that can happen uh, obviously as you said not just to folks that are great commission workers it happens to pastors it happens to christians um, we want to honor christ we want to do the best we can and so we look and see what god calls us to be what his will is and if we're not careful we can almost uh, imperceptibly at times leave the path of seeking to do his will by the grace of Christ and seeking his, to do his will so that we might get the grace of Christ. Mm. And it's deadly. Yeah. It's deadly. There's, it seems as though there's, there's nothing more exhausting for the Christian than trying to earn God's favor or to earn fruitfulness in ministry <laughs> by the works that we do. Like we know the Lord has called us to do particular things and we need to be faithful in doing mm -hmm. those particular things and prayer and discipleship and devotion and, and all those things. But God doesn't promise success in ministry because of our works. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, uh, it, it really is. It's interesting having a, a proper covenant theology, a proper understanding of the covenant of grace, I think uh, aids in a, for a person who is engaged in ministry, whether you're a missionary or a pastor or you're a lay person, mm -hmm. uh, understanding that, yeah, the my labors are not what earn me uh, credibility with God or merit with God or uh, fruit mm -hmm. in my labors. Mm -hmm. God is the one who does this by his grace. Yeah, and you, you point this out, um, Dr. Burns, and, and certainly with Judson's life, uh, with William Carey, John Payton, I'm thinking of others who labored years. I think uh, Carey and Judson, it was like six, seven years with no converts. And I remember reading some of the correspondence between Judson and people back here in America who were complaining 
you know, <laughs> where are the converts and where are we wasting our time, wasting our money on you? And uh, there was one of them, he got a little salty that I recall where he said, I, I just, I wish that they would come here, you know, and spend some time here with me, <laughs> you know, then their complaints would not have uh, near the kind of uh, barbs on them mm. that they do. And I'm sure you must fight that at times in your own life and you must see it with people around you that we must not be doing something right. And if only we could do things, the right things in the right way, then we could uh, produce the fruit that we long to see. Yeah, that's right. And it's, you know, we all have good intentions going into ministry and we'll just talk from my context as a cross-cultural worker. There's, there's so many hurdles to overcome when it comes to communicating the gospel through a different language in a different context, different culture, different, um, you know, passport country and all the visa issues. And then there's also health problems that come with living in places without good health care or disease or, or viruses. And so you start to add on layers and layers of stressors, layers and layers of things that press the junk out of your life and things that in your soul that you don't realize are there that are become tools of sanctification, but they also become, you know, they become obstacles or opportunities depending on how you look at it. And then you start to try to decode these encrypted messages, so to speak, from, mm. from the Lord, because people will say, well, you know, you're struggling so much. Maybe, maybe your intimacy with Jesus is rather low, or maybe you have skipped your devotions or, you know, maybe you need to go to a conference and just soak in God's presence, or you need to, you know, get inner healing, or you need to um, go back and discern whether or not you heard God's will, right? As to what, are you in the right people group or, you know, your support is low. Maybe, God's doing something and he's trying to reveal some sins in your life or your kids are sick. And it's just, it's just, it's on and on and on. I call it, you know, karmic Christianity is, is what I call it, where it's this kind of tit for tat retribution religion. It sounds a lot like Job's counselors where mm-hmm. they try to look at something external and, and then diagnose something secret internal that is happening as if there's a direct correlation between mysterious providential adversity and some sort of unrooted sin in the person's life. And it's, it's not helpful and it's just, it's, it's dangerous and it's, it's demeaning and it's, it, it wears people out. Mm, And then alternatively, there are those others who, you know, seem to be the haves. So there's the have nots and then there's the haves. These, these people have it dialed in. They have a hotline to heaven and they just go from one victory to another, one triumph to another. And so you look at them and you think, I wonder what they're doing that they're so healthy, that their support is up, that, you know, their, their kids love being where they're at. And, and so that there's this constant trying to figure out what's wrong with me and what's right with them sort of mentality. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just don't, I don't see how anywhere the Bible commend such an approach. Yeah, I often try to warn Christians against uh, attempting to exegete the providence of God as you would exegete the scriptures. I mean, it's not the same thing. Both are God's revelation, but he doesn't call us to to interpret his will and, and his messages through the providential circumstances that come into our lives. Mm-hmm. 
We want to invite you to join us for our National Founders Conference coming up this January 2024. That's January 18th through the 20th. And the theme of this conference is going to be Remember Jesus Christ. This uh, entire conference devoted to the doctrine of Christ. Uh, Tom Askell will be speaking along with Conrad Mbewey, Joel Beakey, Phil Johnson, Travis Allen. And we're also announcing this week that Paul Washer will be joining us as one of our keynote speakers as well. So we'd love to have you here, sunny southwest Florida in the middle of winter. So go to founders.org slash conference in order to register. I remember one time you just when you were t- talking uh, about a guy who had been a pastor and uh, had come to our church and joined the church and and we were going through a really hard time uh, in the life of the church and so he insisted on coming to see me so he came to my house and he began to grill me just the way that you described, you know, and he, he started off, Tom, is there sin in your life? And I remember looking at him and said, duh, <laughs> of course there's sin in my life. I said, you know, it's a target rich environment. Take your pick. And, but he just started pressing and, you know, there's something secret going on. Have you committed adultery? You know, or are you da, 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 da. I mean, just went and I, it was, it was not helpful. I mean, it was already a, a, a slog at that point in ministry. And uh, for him to think that he he was going to diagnose the right thing that would explain why all these trials were going on in my life and in the church was just not helpful uh, at all. So I, I love uh, I love that that scene in Pilgrim's Progress where Christian gets his armor and he's on the pathway, and Bunyan puts Apollyon in his path very early. And before Apollyon strikes the blow, he starts making accusations. You know, why you're full of pride and you lost your precious things and you fell asleep. And when you talk about your experience, there's always vainglory. You're wanting people to applaud you. And Bunyan gives him the exact response that every Christian needs to learn. He says, he doesn't argue with him. So, well, you know, it's not that bad or I'm better than him. I'm going to do better. It's everything you say is true and more. But the prince whom I serve is full of mercy. He forgives. And that ground of standing on the righteousness of Christ, the atonement of Christ, our hope in Christ and Christ alone sets us free then. We, we don't have to play games. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to try to manufacture things. We can honestly assess our lives knowing that we have a Savior, and we can honestly look at our duty and pursue that duty knowing that at the end of every day, we're only unprofitable servants. We've mm-hmm. only done our duty. And even the doing of our duty is only acceptable because we're in Christ. It's not because we've done it perfectly. It's mm-hmm. not because there's no sin mixed in it. So in that sense, I think what, what you've done and what's so helpful is understanding the doctrine of justification and its practical implications, how we live by grace through faith. Would that be a fair statement? Yeah, that would, that would be fair. And I would say the, um, so my work with the global church has revealed issues in my own heart. Um, but I, I think that everywhere I go, including the inner recess recesses of my own soul is so many Christians are evangelical enough to know that we are justified by faith, but we are sanctified by some sort of mixture of our own good intentions, our our own mm-hmm. good works, and God's assistance grace. And so what I really try to labor to show in that book is so many of our um, activities and outreach efforts and sanctification efforts are more medieval Roman Catholic than they are Protestant. Um, so there's just a lot of 
emphasis in Great Commission service on God's assisting grace, and that mm-hmm. as if mm-hmm. as if God he he saves us for His good pleasure, but then His good pleasure is based upon how well we maintain, how well how obedient we are, and so that we're justified by faith, but we are sanctified by our own personal faithfulness or some sort of mixture of God's assisting grace. And what I what I'd like to point out in that book over and over and over again is essentially what you said, imputation of Christ's righteousness and penal substitutionary atonement. I mean, those, to me, those cut both ways. And it's not that you have been made innocent, but you have been declared as righteous. And so you, you know, you cannot improve upon God's love for you and you cannot detract from it because it is immutable, infinite, and eternal. And so, you know, first John says, Perfect love casts out fear, but I think a lot of our our Great Commission activity, some unwittingly sometimes is done in a way as if God's pleasure or approval of us is based upon how well we're doing, mm. and that creates anxiety. So what that what that tells me is just as perfect love casts out fear, imperfect love creates anxiety, mm. and I think one of the best things we can do is learn to rest in God's love, not not um, a feeling, not a subjective experience primarily. It does come, but it's based upon the objective external work of Christ for us in Palestine on the bloody Roman cross 2,000 years ago. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates present tense his love for us in that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Um, you you want to remember and be reminded of God's love for you. Don't look at what you've done as as if it, you know, mm-hmm. it works for his approval but look to what God has done on your behalf for you. Bef- I mean, choosing you before the foundation of the world, that's your security. And I, I believe that all of our ministry and all of our sanctification efforts, our spiritual disciplines and all that emerged from our doctrine of assurance. And assurance was the the issue in the Protestant Reformation. And when you look at everything you do, I think a lot of times it's downstream of what you believe to be the ground of your assurance. Is your assurance in how well you pass how how well you pass the uh, first John tests, mm. or is your assurance in the objective work of Christ for you? And and so much of Great Commission service, I think, is somehow trying to derive better assurance that God <laughs> is for me and God loves me. And um, I, I I just want to completely demolish that and rebuild it on the foundations of the gospel so that great commission servants serve with glad hearted contentment in God's promises, regardless of whether, whether they see life giving fruit in this life or not, but we can, we can serve in the silence of Providence, knowing that God loves us no matter what. Thank you for joining us today for this conversation with Dr. E.D. Burns. Uh, we have three different titles in the Founder Store that have been written by Dr. Burns. We're talking about seeds and stars today in this episode, but he's also written two other books for us as well, one titled The Transcultural Gospel and the other Ancient Gospel, Brave New World. And these are wonderful books in which he takes all of his uh, scholarly abilities, but then also his personal experiences as a missionary on the field for decades, and he puts these puts those things into these 
books and is a really be, really a great benefit for the church as we want to think biblically about missions. And so we are giving away these books that he has written in the Founders Store for 20% off if you use the code BURNS. That's B-U-R-N-S. You know, the, the language of the confession in, in chapter 16 is helpful and speaks to that point. In chapter 16, paragraph 3, it says there, so that Christians, their ability to do good works does not arise at all from themselves, but entirely from the Spirit of Christ. And, um, you know, it's not, it's not as though there's this, um, we think of, of justification as being monergistic and and uh, sanctification is being synergistic, but that's not even really the right way to look at it. Sanctification also is monergistic, but it's a monergistic work of God whereby he enables us to do good works himself entirely by his spirit. And I love this the same chapter in paragraph six. Um, it says, nevertheless, nevertheless, believers are accepted through Christ and thus their good works are also accepted in him. Mm-hmm. And so it's all through Christ. Our good works in and of themselves are not accepted before God. They are only possible by the spirit of God and they are only accepted as good works in Christ because mm-hmm. we have been united to Christ. And so praise God that he does work good works in us. He does sanctify us, but it's not due to our own efforts. It's due to God. Yeah. Amen. And what this does, this understanding of the gospel, and, and it, it can it can be like a razor's edge at times. Because uh, it, it sets you free from moralism on one hand, where you're just trying to do more, 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 so that you can feel good about your relationship with God. But it also sets us free from passivism. And mm-hmm. so what's, what we're talking about here is not, you know, sanctification is just uh, taking a long look at my justification, as it's been put by some, you know. So I'm justified, therefore nothing I can do. You know, I can just live because I know that I'm accepted by Christ. Well, if you're really accepted by Christ and you've been born again, then you want to be like Christ. And what was mm-hmm. Christ like? Well, look what he did. Look how he lived. He, he magnified the law and, and made it honorable. And so we want to live lawful lives, not motivated by anything other than we love Christ and he has saved us. And again, just what you said uh, about the, the works that we do, you know, it's, it's <clears throat> God's grace working in me. Paul said, I worked harder than any of them. But it was God's grace that is responsible for that. So this idea of how do you live a holy life and why do you live a holy life is, has to be grounded exclusively in what God has done for us in Christ. I, I love the way you put it, um, Dr. Burns, that um, you know, the, the ground and the foundation is what took place on the cross. And it's the difference between the root of a tree and the fruit of a tree. The root is what makes the tree what it is. The fruit demonstrates what the tree is. And you don't go to the fruit and say, well, this this is what makes the tree an orange tree because it has oranges on it. Well, no, it has oranges on it because it's an orange tree. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like maybe splitting hairs, but it is vitally important to distinguish between that. Otherwise, you'll wind up trying to mix in your works. Yeah, and you know, one thing that I find helpful is just going back to the classic psalm, the grace of God will at times lead us to still waters, but at other times it leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. And for many saints, um, the grace of God may lead them for almost their entire life through the valley of shadow of death until they reach the river of death. Mm. Uh, but they are no less experiencing the grace of God yeah, because amen. of the circumstances. And some some Christians, the Lord uh, in his providence chooses to lead them through by still waters the whole way. 
mm-hmm. um, and praise God for those circumstances. But that's not the experience of every believer. And the person in the valley of shadow of, of death is experiencing no less the grace of God than the Christian who is by still waters. Amen. Yeah, that's true. Again, Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress illustrates this really well. Mr. Fearing made it. Little Faith made it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christian uh, had some struggles you know, mm-hmm. at the end, but uh, he made it as well. So, uh, Dr. Burns, thank you so much for writing this book and for your ministry there in Southeast Asia. Now, tell people uh, how they can uh, get involved in what you're doing. I mean, I I know uh, just personally you and I have talked, and so you've gone through some changes recently, and there's been some major uh, uh, sources of support that you've had for years that are now shifting because of diff- difficult providences. Uh, how can people support you if they wanted to? Well, um, yeah, so I I have a uh, ministry project that I, I direct called Frontier Dispatch, and they can contact me through frontierdispatch.net and it's um it's just a a ministry project that i seek to um develop theological resources for ill-trained or under under resourced uh, hill tribes people around the world um really try to prioritize getting good biblical theological resources in their languages and maybe even some bible bible translation projects launched um that's probably the easiest way mm-hmm. uh, they can they can contact me and if they want a personal email they can reach out to founders ministries and you guys can yeah. send that off but um, that would be that would be great I'm looking I'm looking for more like-minded churches who really value the Bible who value the gospel who um, who still have a, a, a passion for getting the gospel and church plants established around the world um, it is a it is a labor of love love and I can't do it by myself, but I'm, I am down significantly in support by, by a couple thousand dollars a month. So, um, yeah, my, my family and I are just praying for more like-minded churches to stand with us. Um, and it's a, it is a privilege and it's an honor and I'm glad to be here with you guys. And thank you for your ministry and caring about biblical theological resources for the for the church your your love for the centrality of the bible and your love for the church and your love for christ thank you brother appreciate you being with us today and thank you for joining us on the sword and trial a look in the notes to this episode and we're going to link to those sources where you can uh, follow dr burns and and become uh, involved in his ministry by support, but certainly pray for him and the good work that he's doing in Southeast Asia. If this episode has been an encouragement to you, or if you know of other churches that might be encouraged by learning about the work that he is doing and just the gospel centrality of the things we talked about and how it operates in an everyday life of a Christian, uh, please pass this along. If we can serve you in any way at Founders, don't hesitate to contact us. Why are we here? What is the most important thing in the world? One of our greatest problems is is forgetting. We we forget what God has done for us. We forget what God has taught us. We forget things that we have experienced. If we don't pause, if we don't think deeply, if we aren't reminded again and again and again, we forget. It strikes me pretty significantly in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ. 
Why in the world would Paul tell a pastor to remember Christ? Well, he's not going to forget that Jesus Christ lived and that Jesus Christ taught, but he's going to forget the significance of Christ. Christ is ultimately our mission. The church is the body of Christ. A church has to focus on the supremacy of Christ because that's why we are the church. Christ is supreme overall. The church's great mission is to preach Christ. We're there to win souls. advance Christ's kingdom. The problem with the world is not that they don't agree with me. The problem is that they don't bow the knee to Christ. So that's why we're going to gather, to specifically, explicitly focus on the supremacy of Christ, to do our best to remind each other of the centrality of Christ, the beauty of Christ, the glory of Christ. So join us in Fort Myers, Florida, January 18th through 20th, 2024, as we focus on Jesus Christ. I hope to see you there.